It can be argued that these people have used their talents for the benefit and enjoyment of one another. And it's this use of talent that I kept coming back to when I was preparing this passage and this message. So, let's give you the conclusion now. The story of Jesus is demonstrating is how we should use our talents and gifts for the benefit of each other and for the glory of God. So if you wish to switch off now, grab a quick cat nap, play that difficult level of Candy Crush, please do. I will not judge you. I won't be upset. But I think you might miss a few points along the way. Now on the initial reading of this passage... It's quite easy to read it as we need to be performing to be saved. After all, who amongst us wants to be known as the wicked lazy servant? Or that we would be thrown out after being judged? But when Jesus is talking about the useless servant, well, they stood for the religious elite at the time, who desired to keep things exactly as they were, to build a fence around their religion, to hide behind their laws. They didn't take any risks, they rather stick their heads in the ground. It was a criticism of them. So when we're reading this passage, we do need to remember the words of Romans 10. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Christian faith, our faith, is not a faith whose onus is on the performance-based salvation, Rather, it's based on salvation-based performance. And we need to keep this in mind when we read this passage. Or to put it another way, we don't use our talents to be saved. Rather, we use our talents because we are saved. Do we all agree with that? Nothing we can do can bring us salvation. Only by declaring Jesus is Lord and believing that God raised Jesus from the dead. And it's because of this knowledge that we use our gifts for this purpose. Do we agree with that? Good. So if we agree with this, why do we sometimes seem reluctant or too shy to use our talents? Now, I think there are three main reasons that we might be like this. So the first one. Perhaps you don't think you're worthy enough to use your talents for God and for each other. Does thinking about being a witness to Jesus bring us out in a cold sweat? Is it a case that I'm not good enough to do this or that? Sometimes if I'm being honest in my life, it's a case of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I say, here I am, send her. But nearly all the great people in the Bible thought or acted as if they were unworthy. Take Isaiah chapter 6. Here I am, send me, he says. But just before that, he says, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Or to put it another way, I'm not worthy. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Or to put it another way, I'm not worthy. And even Peter, the rock, the first bishop of Rome, when he first meets Jesus, says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Or to put it another way, I'm not worthy. 
So that creeping feeling of being unworthy that we all feel from time to time is not a reason to get involved. Both now or in the future, we're in good company. So perhaps, perhaps we feel we've got nothing to give. I know I felt that one. A week before I was meant to start my lay ministry course, which has led me to today, I pulled out of doing it. I didn't think I had anything to give to anyone. Thankfully, I had a few people actually convince me otherwise, go, give it a go. And 10 years later, I'm here standing in front of you doing this. And it's been a hell of a journey. Yeah, it's been a hell of a journey. So maybe you think you've got nothing to give. Or perhaps even worse, you've been told you've had nothing to give. Well, to quote Hagrid from Harry Potter, what a load of cods, Wallop. None of us is completely useless. Whether we've been told or told ourselves, we are each wonderfully and uniquely made to paraphrase Psalm 139. And each of us has many talents to give, be it playing an instrument, praying for each other, making teas or coffees. And we have some wonderful talents within this church, and most of them go unnoticed. But also, most of us possess the three greatest talents we could possibly have. And they are ears to listen, time to give one another. And perhaps the greatest of these is our capacity to love. Actually, it's one of the commandments, isn't it? To love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But the third reason, maybe, is you're just too scared to get it wrong, to muck up, to be made a fool. But ask yourself, what is the worst that could happen? Seriously, the worst that we can do is not try at all like the useless servant. Perhaps he, was not, he thought he was not worthy enough, he had nothing to give, or he's scared to get it wrong, or perhaps all three. But if we go back to the parable and look at the two successful servants, it points to a reality that faith means adventure, and that God wishes to work with people who are gutsy and going for it, a sort of spiritual Bear Grylls or Indiana Jones, if you like. So, apart from this spirit of adventure, by using our gifts and talents, what are the other reasons we should use our talents? Well, we benefit. The leading contributor to personal happiness, according to a 75-year study from Harvard, is having good relationships. good relationships. It wasn't money, it wasn't career, it wasn't material things or experiences, but relationships. And we're not talking about those social media, how many followers relationships we might have, but rather the face-to-face relationships. And one of the ways we benefit from these relationships is the opportunity to use each other's talents. For example, I am so grateful I have a really good friend called Richard, not that one, someone outside who is a master at DIY. Don't get me wrong, I can put up a shelf. It's keeping it up I have a problem with. 
but I have a friend who knows how to do it properly and I benefit. Our family benefits from it. So we can benefit from each other's uh, talents, but we can also benefit from using our own talents. Gallup research shows that people who use their gifts, their talents, their strengths are more likely to show signs of improved health and well-being and have more energy. They experience less negative emotions like stress, anger, worry. So if nothing else, the use of talents brings a benefit to us. And however important that is, it is the least of the reasons to use our gifts. Others benefit. We are designed to be relational beings. We are commanded to love one another and an element of this is to share our talents and our gifts for the benefit of others. And doesn't it feel better when we do that? And maybe, just maybe, that one small act of kindness using our talents might change someone's life for the better. 1 Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. Our God-given gifts or talents are not just for our own benefit, but they are for the benefit of others. Because although the ability is ours, like the servants in the passage, the talent, the gift, ultimately belongs to God, like the master. Using our talents, God benefits. It goes back to that phrase, salvation-based performance. We want to use our talents because we are saved, and when we use our talents, we glorify God. Now, the value of a talent today, a talent of gold, I'm tempted to use the word dollars, but we'll use pounds sterling because that's how I've prepared it. According to the internet, it varies between 200,000 pounds to 1.2 million, depending on how you measure it. Now, it doesn't really matter how much. It just matters that it's intended to display an outrageously huge amount to be entrusted to the servants. And they are outrageous values. And Jesus is demonstrating this, and for that reason, we should take this really, really seriously. God wants us to build his kingdom for his glory with our talents. In other words, if you can sing, sing. If you can pray, pray. If you can control a sound desk, control that sound desk. If you can make a wicked cup of tea, go make that wicked cup of tea. If you can put up a bookshelf, put that bookshelf up. If you can make a really, really good English breakfast, invite me round. (laughs) If you can listen, listen. If you can love, love. All for the glory of God. I found this quote online from one Leo Biscaglia, and I think it sums it up perfectly. Your talent is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. There are so many things I would like to explore with this parable, like it might point to the second coming of, well, it does point to the second coming of Christ, or how we should be content with the gifts we've got rather than looking at what other people have. We could go on for another couple of hours, but don't worry, I won't. 
So let's wrap this up. Now, while I was looking at this, I kept coming back and kept being drawn back to why we don't use our talents and why we should. And this, in turn, kept coming back to Matthew 22. But Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, Love your neighbour as yourself. And when we use our talents to honour him and to bless others, we're doing just that. So let's go back to that quiz earlier on. Can you remember the final three answers? Shall I give you a hint? Gareth Gates, One Direction and Diversity. And I wanted something to remind us about this talk in the future. So hopefully when you're watching the programme in the future, be it BGT, be it X Factor, The Voice, whatever it is, you will remember today and perhaps be encouraged to use our talents and recall what God wants for us to do with them. Because our talents are gates to the Father in heaven, pointing in one direction to glorify God by using our diversity of talents to serve others. Amen.